must be out of your senses, oh, if you think you will not pay any tax. Welcome to Story Story, a podcast exploring forgotten Nigerian history. You can find episodes of Story Story for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening from. Now to today's story. In the early 1900s, Abelkuta, a city in the southwest of Nigeria, experienced rapid economic growth and a boost in trade. Abelkuta was primarily home for the Egba and Owu people. Around 1850, the British colonial government began to extend its control into Abelkuta and negotiated treaties with the natives. The treaty agreement granted the British open trade routes through the Egba territory in exchange for the Lagos government's recognition of the town's independence and borders. This treaty had given the Egba people relative autonomy over their own economics, but ultimately, the British government found a means to intervene in the autonomous structure after a political crisis in 1897. The British government demanded a reorganization of the town's political structure, and thus, the Egba United government was created. Prior to the new structure, local councils traditionally included at least one woman. The EUG, by contrast, was exclusively male, but began developing Abelkota's political and economic infrastructure. The EUG invested in infrastructure and the economy, building roads, markets, and increasing exports of items such as cocoa, palm oil, color nuts, and indigo-dyed cloth. By the late 1800s, Abelkota, coupled with the introduction of the railway, had emerged as an economic center in colonial Nigeria and remained relatively independent. Despite the growth in commercial activities, Egba women did not enjoy the benefits of increased business opportunities and infrastructural development. This was because in 1918, the colonial government made a decision which impacted several Egba women. Historically, Egba women are very entrepreneurial. For instance, as far back as the 1900s, they supported their husbands in paying water bills whilst managing their own market stalls and other businesses. During World War I, Egba women dominated retail trade and generated high revenue to their communities through their trade of food and cloth. On the 1st of January 1918, Abel Kota residents began paying taxes after the then Governor-General of Nigeria, Lord Lugard, urged the colonial office to impose direct taxation in Egba land. While Britain received Egba women's produce such as sugar, cocoa and rice, Egba women endured high taxes and food shortages, which increased their cost of living and impoverished several women. Ha, 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 ha.
I am tired. I work so hard for my profits. And these men want to steal my hard earned money. I don't care how long I stay here. No, I don't care. I am not going to give them any more tax. Yes, I am not going to give them. The greedy men are keeping Egba women's hard earned profits in their pockets and then handing their, their hard earned money, our labor, our sweat. They are giving our money to the puppets. Oh God. God, have mercy on us. Oh. We are all tired. Yes. We are all tired of being slaves in our own land. The Egba United Government consisted of the British colonial administrators, the Alake of Egbaland, and the native authority. Together, they were responsible for enforcing the draconian taxes on women. Since there were no women in the EUG Council, colonial taxation emerged as an instance of taxation without representation. During the 1920s and 1930s, Egba women met with the Alake and Egba Council to address their concerns. These market stall fees are too much. We have complained to your men on several occasions and nothing has been done. Nothing, Kabiesi. And also, many of the Adire producers are losing money since your government banned caustic soda and synthetic dyes. Egbawi men are not happy with how we are treated. No, we are not happy. Your people are suffering from poor wages whilst the British colonial treasury increases in size. Although the Egba women's concerns were unresolved, many market women and traders continued to sit in the council and meet with the king. Madame Jojolola, the Iyalode of Egba, and the highest titled woman in Egba represented the market women. And Iyalode was a woman that represented women to the king. Madame Jojolola, alongside other women, felt that the Egba United Government's taxation scheme was unfair and exploitative since many women made no profit on their goods. They also brought attention to the unnecessary market fees imposed on women, which reduced their income. During a commission of inquiry, Madame Jojolala stated that the women all complained that they derived no benefit from the government. We make no profits on the goods we sell, and yet we have been called upon to pay taxes. In 1938, 
Egba women suffered even more as IWE Dodds, a political officer, was assigned by the British to improve tax collection. To collect tax effectively, he appointed village headmen to collect tax and encouraged even more violent measures to increase tax revenue. I heard we will be fined five pounds if we don't remove the tax. I heard they will imprison us for months if we refuse. They are even stripping young girls to check if they are eligible to pay tax. They said if their breasts are mature, they will have to pay the tax. In 1945, the Second World War ended and Britain lost a lot of money from its involvement in the war. To recover its losses, the British employed the same strategy it used in World War I. Since Nigeria was a British colony, the colonial officers also imposed food quotas, price controls, and more taxes on Egba women's goods. As tax collection measures became more violent, so did the response against colonial taxation. <laughs> did we ask them to build these railways? Railways we don't even enjoy. Abio, all we want is our money. The longer the British stay here, the poorer we become. Ah, we're already poor, my sister. <laughs> I am so tired. While several market women expressed their frustration about the oppressive taxation, other women who belonged in the Abelkuta Ladies Club were more concerned with learning how to be more ladylike. Thank you all for attending today's meeting. Today, we are learning about posture. The first and most important rule to remember is... Occasionally, the elite women of the Abelkuta Ladies Club join the regular meetings of the Alake of Egba Land and other members of the Egba Council. It was in these meetings that women's voices and power were fully displayed as they discussed their concerns and disapproval of the corrupt police system. Kabiesi, many of your men are abusing their power. This week alone, several women have reported to me that their rights has been confiscated by the native authority policemen. These women are already struggling to make ends meet and... Meeting after meeting, the women continued to demand the removal of taxation, but nothing changed. As president of the Abelkuta Ladies Club and a respected community leader, more rice sellers, mostly from lower socioeconomic backgrounds who felt ignored by the Alake, turned to Fumilayo Ransomkuti for help. Madame Jojolala's death in 1932 had left a political vacuum in Egba for several years. For poor women who were represented by the Yalode, the taxation and the erosion of women's political seats in the council left them feeling devastated. Not only did the creation of the Egba United Government by the British encourage oppressive tax collection tactics, it also restricted women's financial autonomy and agency. As Egba women did not have a central figure defending them, many women felt more hopeless. That was until Fumilaya Ransomkuti began organizing and mobilizing other women. Under Fumilaya Ransomkuti's leadership, the Belkota Ladies Club was renamed and transformed into a Belkota Women's Union. 
the Abelkuta Women's Union, also known as the AWU, was now committed to increasing cooperation, unity, and democracy amongst Egba women. As the membership of the union grew, so did the courage. In several parts of Abelkuta, women were going on strikes by leaving their market stalls and withdrawing all their labor. Since their labor was important to the British colonial treasury, this had a significant impact on the colonial treasury and the colonial officers wrote letters urging the Alake and the native authority policemen to take action. By this time, it was too late. Their act of refusal and resistance had inspired other women. The marketplace had quickly become a space for mobilizing women and increasing political consciousness. In 1947, after several meetings with market women, Fumlaya Ransom Kuti formed a coalition between the Abelkota Ladies Club and the Market Women Commodity Associations. Unlike the Abelkota Ladies Club, the Abelkota Women's Union was more inclusive and representative of the women's population in Abelkota. Whilst the Abelkota Ladies Club involved sessions where women learned English cookery and social etiquette, the Abelkota Women's Union was more aligned with Egba women's goal of removing taxation. So you might be thinking, why was Madame Dodolola's outcome different from Mrs. Ransom Kuti, since they both organized and mobilized Egba women? According to Judith Byfield, author of a paper titled Taxation, Women, and the Colonial State, Egba Women's Revolt. There are two main reasons. Firstly, World War II had created the perfect condition for coalition politics since Egba women suffered economically due to the exploitative tax. Secondly, there was heightened political activism in Nigeria. For instance, there was a general strike in 1945. more women heard about the Abelkota Women's Union's goal, their membership increased significantly. Women all around Abelkota gathered once a month in assemblies, schools and markets to discuss their needs and expectations from the Egba United Government. We need greater education opportunities and maternal health care for women and better public sanitation. Abelkota Women! In months, several women from different socio-economic backgrounds became an essential part of the union's leadership. For instance, they took part in strikes and consistently refused to pay their tax, no matter the cost. Egba women, we have five important aims and objectives in our constitution. Number one, to establish and maintain unity and cooperation among all women in Egba land. Number two, to defend, protect, preserve, and promote the social, economic, cultural, and political rights and interests of the women in Egba land. Number three, to encourage mass education among the women through teaching its members to read and write. Number four, 
to cooperate with all organizations seeking and fighting genuinely and selflessly for the economic and political freedom and independence of the people. Number five, to raise and maintain necessary and adequate funds to carry out the aims and objectives of the union. As more women mobilized, the news about the anti-colonial movement also spread beyond Nigeria. For instance, Marxist organizations like the Women's International Democratic Federation and the Daily Worker expressed solidarity to AWU's cause, which addressed Egba women's political and economic marginalization. Inspired by the protest demonstration of the Abba Women's Movement in 1929, 10,000 Egba women marched in front of the King's Gate on the 8th of December 1947. Slowly, the women moved past the gates into the palace fields, and as they moved, their chants grew louder. The women demanded to see the Alake of Egbaland and speak to him to express their concerns. A few hours later, the king appeared. My daughters, what is the matter? He said. According to Wale Shoinka, the Nobel Prize winning playwright and author of Ake, after kneeling in respect to the king, a woman powerfully addressed him with these words. The message which I bring you today is the message of all the women who have left their stores, farms, homes, and children to come and visit you today. They are the suffering crowd who are gathered in your, in your front lawn. They are all the womanhood of Egba, and they have come to say, enough is enough. The women continued their singing and chanting until the commissioner of police arrived. Mm -hmm. Shut up, you women. Instead of you feeding your children and husbands, you are bringing trouble to the palace. <laughs> you must be out of your senses, oh, if you think you will not pay any tax. Could you speak to your mother like that? Commissioner, you may have been born, but you were not bred. Embarrassed by the woman's response, the commissioner fled the palace and the women continued their chants. Enough is enough. No more tax. Enough is enough. No more Kabiesi, you collude with the British to oppress your own people. We have written letters and spoken to you several times about this matter. But this tax is still enforced. Your men continue to abuse their power and authority by beating us, stripping us, and even imprisoning us. I have to speak to the council first before making any decision. Soon after this exchange, the king rose and left. After several months, the king eventually abdicated from the throne and there was a temporary removal of the tax on women. The Abelkuta Women's Union had been victorious in colonial Nigeria, but did not stop there. 
the women continued to advocate for women's rights in Nigeria and play a role in the Nigerian nationalist movement. The group emerged as one of the first proto-nationalist feminist activist groups in Nigeria. Fumilaya Ransom Kuti would go on to serve as both a political leader and a titled chieftain in the colonial era. Despite Nigerian women's long history of resistance, their contributions to feminist organizing continues to be erased. Whilst there are tens of thousands of unnamed women who fought against colonial taxation, it is important that we do not forget the lessons and strategies they have left us with. Over 70 years later, many feminist movements have borrowed from the tradition of speaking up against injustice. The Egba Market Women's Revolt is proof that collective effort is necessary for collective liberation. We remember the Egba Women's Revolt. We must continue to recover our radical histories, stories and voices so we can chart better futures for ourselves. Remember, forgetting is violence and silence is violence. Thanks for listening to Story Story. We'll be back next week to tell a story about Festac 77, also known as the Second World Black and African Festival of Arts and Culture, a major international festival which was held in Lagos, Nigeria from 15th January 1977 to 12th February 1977. Remember to leave a review and rate the podcast. It will help us reach more people who want to learn about history. A quick note about the recreations you have been hearing. In most cases, we can't know exactly what was said. Those scenes are dramatizations, but they are based on historical research. Don't forget to tag us on Instagram at Story Story for more exciting updates. Story Story is a Lanoire Aderemi production, supported by the Lord Roots Memorial Fund. Script design, sound design, music and audio production by Lupify Media. Executive producer, Lanoire Aderemi. Producers are... Emmanuel Akeju, John Alimi, and Victor Durujaye. Production, sound design, and music by Feifei, with assistance from John Alimi. Script design by Lanoire Aderemi, with assistance from Victor Durujaye. Story was narrated by Feifei. Egba Woman 1 was played by Esther Imawa. King and Commissioner of Police was played by Musa Mo. Social Media Management by Elizabeth Akeju. Cover Art by Samuel Adeyemi. PR by Dare Balogun. 